We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Song of the Sun and Georgia Dusk by Gene Toomer today. Opening line, poor oh poor, that parting soul in song. What does soul in song mean like what, what you, you hear about like either you got it or you don't you just gotta feel it like what is soul when it comes to music i think it's understanding maybe uh i don't know it's hard to say understanding music because it is something truly that you just you feel that you you know in your soul uh i think it gives you a positive feeling i think that it gives you uh the that dopamine hit in your brain uh, that that it's it's good, it's right. Uh, it, it makes the world better, and that's something that 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 poem felt like a song, right? What does it take to be soulful? Like, if we take let, let's start, let's take some instruments, right? Like, when it comes to singing, d- does it take much to sing? Like, anybody for the most part can can sing, right? Like, I'm not saying they can sing well, but you can take your voice and you can attempt to make music with it. <laughs> That's what I do, attempt. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm a good singer over here. But, you know, when you look at the piano, I don't think anyone can just sit down and even, like, remotely just be like, I'm going to bust out some Beethoven right now, right? Or, or the oboe, right? Like, there's technique involved. There's even, there's the literal access to the instrument. There, there's a little bit of a barrier between some different types of music, Right. Yeah, I think that'd be fair to say. Even if you are musically inclined or gifted or have a talent or have honed a talent, you're going to have to put some work in somewhere at some point in time, right? Right, right. Well, I mean, the nice thing about singing, and, and you'll notice a lot of these parts of of what is what is Kane getting at revolve around this very lyrical auditory sound. Uh, it's very accessible, I think, right? Like compared to like maybe like if there are like a lot of piano like instruments, con- you know, comparisons and stuff. Um. What about when we talk about music itself? Is is some music tied to a culture or tied to a way of being? I think it has at certain points in time been more relatable to certain individuals or groups of peoples, sure. But I think that that's the point of a poem or music is to educate others on a person's story. I mean, because that's really what a poem, a, a piece of music is, right? Is to pass on what these people have to others that maybe don't have it. Uh, but yeah, I could see that how it, it, you know, you do associate certain types of poetry and music through certain time periods and certain places in certain times in history. Yeah. Well, even within history, though, like even if you just look at music today, right? Like, like who is pop music for? And I don't know, like you might have certain expectations or connotations of who should be consuming or spending money. But again, spending money involves some type of a barrier. Um, You know, even if you take the example of like rap or hip hop music, 
there might be certain expectations of you have of who is that music for and who creates that music primarily, right? You had, when we were in high school, I mean, this dates us a little bit, but remember when Eminem dropped and it's just like, whoa, like you, you have a white guy doing like hip hop and rap like that. That doesn't seem like it should fit. But it, you had Dr. Dre backing him up and stuff like that. Like there's there's something to be said about who creates the music and who is it for. And I don't mean that just in the context of rap, but I mean, all music tends to have a particular audience for which it's appealing to. I would agree, but I think that evolves and changes over time. So I kind of disagree with myself at the same time. When you think of, you know, pop music, were the Beatles pop music when they first came out? It was intended for younger audiences, uh, teenagers, Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. teenage girls. And that was very different from the music that their parents were used to listening to. It was very revolutionary. It was very... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like, it wasn't okay with their parents. Uh, and I know that, like, rock music eventually becomes that. It, it, and I think the term pop, uh, in most terms, re- regards a certain genre. But really, I think what it kind of meant is the new trendy music. Um, mm-hmm. And then when you go to rock and roll or, you know, metal or rap or blues or, or whatever it is, I think that it really is an interpretation of the younger generation's looking at how the newer generations are accepting of that music. Do you think the stories that are being told, like if we look at the Beatles, like you brought up, or even if you look at, you brought up metal, like if we look at like Metallica or some breakout metal band, stuff like that, there was a story that they were telling, right? Like they were breaking out and speaking to people in a way that other music didn't, whether it be the wild and craziness and, and zaniness of, you know, when the Beatles landed. I mean, you can watch videos of people just losing their mind, right? And then you go to heavy metal where, you know, people sometimes view it as violent or satanic, which I never understand, but maybe that's because I kind of like metal. But it, it, it's an expression and like a physicality to it. There's there's a feeling to it. There's, I don't want to say soul, but there's a a connection you have as a listener sometimes with with how you express yourself in music. And I wonder if these genres are telling a story, right? Like whether it's a revolution against the previous generation, you brought up a broader idea of even history of movements, right? And a lot of times when we look at, you know, Baroque and classical music and and, and such, they're, they're, they're commentaries on the previous movement in, in music, that they're, they're commentations, uh, they're commentaries on a story about how things did or didn't behave and their reactions to them. So I guess I'm kind of trying to make the argument a little bit that sometimes, and I think you can agree with me because it sounds like you said it earlier, that music carries a story. It carries not only just emotions, but movements, right? Is that, would you agree with that? Oh, I would agree with that. And I think that's why Toomer wrote this poem in particular this way is to make it catchy so that you you remember the story a little bit more because the story is really important because it's important to him. He's talking about that. I assume his maybe great grandparents, maybe his grandparents were slaves. And it's kind of the ending of that era as the the last generation of slaves are kind of all dying off. 
And that's a big change in our history. That's a big change for him as a person, his family, and, and, and all peoples in our country, really, as that last generation of people that had been owned as people die off. That's a big shift in how we're going to move forward of not losing out of what that meant to our country, that a lot of it was built on the backs of slaves, and they're no longer here to voice you know, what they went through anymore, and it will be the responsibility of generations moving forward. And, and music is a great method of, of conveying that or poem. Right, right. No, I, I think that's exactly right because you could say the story of America is agrarian, but it's really through slavery that that was achieved, right? And when they talk about the red soil and sweet gum tree, so scant of grass, so profligate of pines, like this is clearly depicting the American tale. And the American tale is a story of oppression. It is a story of, of how slaves were used to build the land. And I think that's what's so interesting is how Toomer, you know, I guess it wasn't really clear to me maybe till this poem in the series that he's using music not just because he likes it, but it's maybe, maybe he does feel the soul and resonate with it. But it also evokes this generation story. The, like you said, the slave story can't be heard for us firsthand. Like it's going to be different for Toomer's era when he was writing. But he's taking and immortalizing their story, their way of conveying and their way of celebrating music and, and injecting it into these poems and this book, which is what I think is so great about this poem is I think you really feel the, the musical honoring of the past through this piece. And the, the terribleness of it, too, that what slavery did to he, him and his family, what it did to the South— and, you know, the ramifications that even though it's gone and the last slaves have died off, people that were slaves have died off, it's still having an impact. Maybe not as much, but it's still having influence. So I guess, what what is a song? Is it a seed for the future? Is it a way for the future to grow? Is it a way for the future to to understand and metaphorically relate to struggles that aren't their own? Oh, see, I thought seed was himself. Like he he was the seed that was growing and changing into what would come in the future. Interesting. Okay. You could take it any way you want. We're just posing ideas, our feelings on it. Very casual conversation here. Um, but you know, we we didn't go too much into detail about some of like the metaphors, like how like the plums were used to represent them and whether they're squished or planted. Uh, the idea of sun, S-U-N versus S-O-N can kind of almost be interchangeable in the story and how things are grown. So um, I don't want to just skip over that without acknowledging it, but th there's just a lot to, I think, a tumor piece when you look at them. Oh, of course. And I, for me, I, I thought it was very cool that he was able to take sun, S-O-N, and I think was maybe referring to himself, and then S-U-N, the sun, the birth, the the growth uh, the renewal of life that those two were kind of merging together uh, beautifully done in this story that he's able to use both of them uh, so well. Right. All right. Georgia dusk. So we're back with the setting sun <laughs> once again. What do you think dusk means to tumor with how often we get this, this idea of the sun setting? I think it's the end of the era. I think that this and Song of the Sun are not two sides of the same coin, but 
you almost have to read these together, I feel like, that maybe one is chapter one, well, maybe not chapter one, Song of Sun is maybe like chapter five, and this is chapter six, uh, that this is the next part of the story that there there's another end to what is happening to um you know his family uh his peoples in the south and that there's an end to another almost generation of of people do you think um we've talked about before the word twilight it's neither sun and it's neither night but it's almost like it's got elements of both and we've talked about how this book came is a story of racial consciousness of understanding yourself, understanding your peoples. And, you know, when we looked at Becky, who had the children who were of mixed race, and you had the the blacks and the whites both rejecting them, they, they were belonging to both black and white communities, but also were a part of neither communities. We look at Dusk as this transitional moment, right? And, and you and I can't relate on the racial consciousness side of this, right? We, we read this to try to understand it. You know, exactly. at the most, uh, maybe the closest we could get might be like um, preteen years. You know, you're not an adult, but you're given like these adult responsibilities and you're not a child, but you're held to adult standards, but not given the adult freedoms. It's like this weird thing of not belonging. Where does a lot of this the 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 stories for tumor come from in that regard like when we have these stories of people of mixed races and people who belong or don't belong and to your point of a generation ending and a new beginning how do we interpret this dusk in that context i think he's in the generation that doesn't fit he wasn't a slave, but he doesn't have what will come in the future. He, he doesn't know that, obviously, but we do, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, that things will improve and get better. And I think here is, he doesn't know where to go. He's kind of lost of like, uh, I didn't want to be a slave, you know, because obviously that would be terrible and awful, but he doesn't really have a direction. He's kind of almost, you know... Uh, list list you know just kind of going through the motions he doesn't know what's going to happen and they're losing their identity they were they were always slaves and then there were the you know sharecroppers and now they're even losing that as well and they don't know what to do and that is kind of you know the point of the whole harlem renaissance is that you know the great migration north of trying to refine who are we it's kind of like this piece tells a story you know what i mean we start yes, out with yes, the barking yes. hounds Right. And barking hounds are the, the, you know, when slaves would escape, they'd be literally hunted down and used people, you know, white slave owners would use dogs to chase them down to find them. Right. Yep. With, you know, an orgy for some genius of the South and their cane lipped scented mouth. And we talk about how America's past is a story of oppression and agrarian growth. Right. And you see them start to then move into the bumper crops and the sawmills and you see how we used the slave generation to do that. I say we, not like you and I did it. I, I, <laughs> no. You get the point. I mean, hopefully yes. some people aren't being too pedantic with their word choice out there. But you see how the story almost transitions. You know what I mean? Like it starts out very grotesque uh, in the sense of very haunting imagery. And there's almost this kind of like flip where they start to even talk about like what life was like in Africa, you know, the men and the vestiges of pomp. How did you take this from like a, a story perspective? I think this is the the big change that 
they didn't necessarily want uh, the descendants of slaves, but the one that was okay because it pushed them forward into maybe uncomfortable territories where, you know, their ancestors were slaves and that was fought and ended. And now they aren't going to be sharecroppers anymore because technology is going to replace them. And, you know, the former slave owners, they're still just looking to make a profit, but they have to find their new identity and this is going to push them out. Uh, and it, it doesn't matter, you know, they're going to move forward regardless and they're going to be better off for it. You have that line, their voices rise, right? The pine trees are guitars, the strumming pine needles fall like sheets of rain. We're coming back, you know, and even mentions the chorus of the cane. Again, using music, melody to tell the story moving forward, right? So so even though we're, to me, I, I don't know if you took it this way, that it seemed almost like it ended on a hopeful note, right? The idea that we're going to grow forward, but we're going to, to your part of this being part chapter six, you know, part two, we're carrying yeah. the story. We're carrying the legacy with us as we move forward for how, how we can be hopeful and how we can make things better. Because the last lines give virgin lips to cornfield concubines, bring dreams of Christ to dusky cane lipped throngs. What do you think that meant? Well, I, I, I first of all, I'll say that it's amazing how tumor is just a genius of that. The first poem was very song like and then this poem has which we are kind of saying is part two of the story is very reminiscent of songs itself talking about all the you know the, the word choices that you'd mentioned but the end to me besides i guess it was hope that these people are going to have it better off uh that they're going to have more choice they're going to have more uh, choice in their destinies of what they're going to do and that life is going to be better for them ultimately and that those sacrifices won't go in vain. Coming up next, let's see what Toomer has in store for us with his short story, Fern in Cain, as we travel through this part-by-part -part playlist down below. My name is Benuna. Peace.